like to invite all of you to uh, turn with me. Uh, actually, it's on the front of your bulletin to Luke chapter 24. We'll be reading verses 50 through 52. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. <laughs> this time our, our brother, Dr. Dean Jennings, will bring us God's message, Conversation with Jesus. It was 5 a.m., and I was up early studying my Bible. I had developed a keen interest in the New Testament, and especially the story of Jesus' life, and more especially the Passion Week, which we know took up about one-third of the Gospels, all four of them. Great interest in what Jesus is doing now also pervaded my attention. What is he doing in the sanctuary in heaven? What is he doing for me up there and all the people planning to go there one day? I was absorbed in deep thought. When suddenly I heard a knock on my door, I got up leaving my open Bible on the table. I went to the door and opened it, and there stood someone that seemed to know me. His deep penetrating eyes and his smile were something special. He looked strangely familiar to the pictures artists have painted over the centuries of Jesus. I was speechless. He spoke first. I've been wanting to talk to you in person for some time, he said. May I come in? I spoke with trembling lips. Why, yes, I've been hoping to see you. I've been aching to know all about you. After my fumbling words, the stranger said, Yes, I am Jesus, and I've come to visit to tell you my story in my own words. You've read about me in the Gospels of Bethlehem and that 12-year-old boy in the, in the temple and the preacher who walked throughout Galilee. And then you've also read about me in my walk through Jerusalem and up on Golgotha's hill where I was crucified one Friday afternoon. My, my story is rather long. Do you have time? Why, yes, Lord. I'm canceling all my appointments. I just want to talk with you. By now my eyes were misty. So often discouragement, I said, comes over me. I feel like Paul who wrote, I am the chief of sinners. Then I'm driven to open my Bible again. I learn that if I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, I'm okay. I also learned to look for a city whose builder and maker is God. When I do this, my discouragement flees away like a bird, and I know I'm accepted and forgiven. Jesus listened carefully, and then he said, That is why I have come, because you see yourself as a chief of sinners. You have tried to learn to keep your eyes fixed on me. Your aim is to be with me in my kingdom one day soon. Jesus said, let me begin. But by now I'm on my knees, weeping for joy. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, it is okay, I accept you just as you are. 
Jesus sits back and begins, It is true that my Father and I and the Holy Spirit have existed from eternity. Now I know that's hard for human mind to understand. We had a meeting back in the mystic ages of past. After having created billions of other planets, some of them populated, we decided to create a new planet, and we decided to call it Earth. And so we did. It is vivid in my mind as I was actually the agent of creation that day. For seven days we created the most beautiful paradise imaginable. Then on the sixth day, your first ancestors, Adam and Eve, were created. But the most special was the seventh day when I created the Sabbath and set aside those 24 hours for you to worship me in a special way. Isaiah says that we will continue worship on the Sabbath even in the heavenly kingdom. Isaiah 66, 23. One of my greatest joys was to go down from my throne in the universe and to visit my two children and walk with them in the Garden of Eden. Looking at all the animals and the gorgeous flowers, Adam named them all. I asked him to do that. Eve loved the hibiscus and the roses and the orchids and all the rest. About this time, a terrible event happened up in my heaven above. We just call it the mystery of iniquity. Lucifer had been the covering cherub next to the highest throne in the universe where my father and I dwell. We could read his thoughts, however. It was heartbreaking for us as he started causing a great disturbance in the paradise of heaven. He started saying God was unfair. He wanted to be in our inner circle of meetings. He started sharing with many of the angels. It soon became violent, and by this time my father and I were pleading with him to change his mind, and we did shed many tears. That old prophet Isaiah told this tragedy well in Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. In our heavenly councils, we wanted to have a world where the principle of the power of choice reigned supreme. You see, the only way sin would not rise up a second time was to have people on the earth who loved us because of their choice to love us and have a relationship with us that was unbreakable and trust and faith. I remember the day, says Jesus, when my father and I sat down to decide on what would happen if Adam and Eve were to sin. I volunteered to go down to the earth and live and take the world's sins to Calvary and die there, if necessary, on a Roman cross, to once and for all, in death, in death win a victory. All the inhabitants of this world who would believe in me could be saved.
By now I was enraptured as I watched every syllable come from his mouth. He was dressed in a white robe that was brilliant white, whiter than the white I'd ever seen. But I noticed down at the bottom of the robe there was a dark red stain. When asked, he said, Well, I will wear this robe throughout eternity. For you see, I have died for my redeemed. I have the scars in the palms of my hands and my feet. For you see, the stain will be there. John wrote about it in Revelation 19.13. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Also, never forget, I have engraved the names of the redeemed on the palms of my hands. Isaiah 49.16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. I do not want to tire you, said Jesus. I responded, oh no, I want to be with you forever. Please do not stop, please. Okay, now I want to tell you my personal story of the cross on which I died. I noticed that the gospel writers spent one-third of their writings on my Passion Week. There's a reason for that. Because the truth is, and always will be, that by beholding, we become changed. And I told the Pharisees on one day that there, w- there is only one way to the Father, and that is through me. John fourteen six. I went to Gethsemane's garden where I loved to go to commune with my Father. During the three years I knew my death was approaching, I had to go to Gethsemane often. I went to pray, and all of a sudden I was transposed in a glorified being as I was in heaven before I went to the earth. Suddenly my father sent Moses and Elijah in their glorified bodies to be with me to comfort me. As I struggled with the idea that had finally come, I will die soon. I was going to hang on a cross for the sins of the world. This I was born for, but I still had to make the final decision myself. In that beautiful garden, I flung myself on the ground. I pleaded with my father, Not my will, but thine be done. I had made my decision. It was firm, no wavering now. From heaven a voice came out of the cloud above us while we were yet speaking, saying, Be, and overshadowed us. A voice said from the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I well pleased. Hear ye him. That's recorded in Matthew 17, 5. I now knew for sure my father was with me as I arose. Moses and Elijah disappeared, but my father, I knew, was with me. My disciple, well, they were sleeping. It made me cry as they could have witnessed this event. Jesus went on. So I was taken by a mob of evil men, spurred on by the Jewish high priest. They drugged me all night to court after court. False accusations abounding, hitting me, spitting on me, hitting me in the face. Worst of all were the false witnesses telling lies. That is why lying is so offensive to me. And my arch enemy is the father of lies. I was now in the focal point of the greatest battle ever to be fought in the universe. By going to the cross and dying, I would win the victory and save my beloved children I created. The die was cast, and with trembling limb and mind, I started the climb to Mount Golgotha. You must try to understand that I was all human 
as though not God, and I was all God as though not human. I know this is deep, but this is the truth. They drugged me down old Via Della Rosa through Jerusalem. I was exhausted beyond words. They forced me to carry my cross among the taunts and the jeers of the people. My tears flowed for them. Women were weeping as they saw the cruelty, looking forward to when Jerusalem was to be destroyed, my beloved city. In the future, I called out to those women, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. Luke 23:28. My agony was beyond words to describe. Finally reached the top of Golgotha. My mind reeled back to Pilate's judgment hall. My heart ached for Pilate. His wife had sent a letter to him saying, have nothing to do with this just man. Pilate had thoughts that I just might be the long-awaited Messiah. He wasn't sure. When he asked me, what is truth? I could see he was wavering. Eternal life was hanging in the balance for him. My mind whirled back to reality. I was going to an ugly Roman cross. Yes, they had it ready. A hole in the ground was already there. They roughly placed me on that cross. Suddenly the pain was beyond description. Huge nails going through my wrists, hitting the nerves. Burning fiery pain up my whole arm. Words from my lips came, Father, help me now. Next, the agony of the nails through my feet was pain beyond pain. Someone placed a crown of sharp thorns on my head, mocking me. My mind was reeling as I listened with rapt attention to the Savior giving me his story. I began thinking, you know, I helped put my Savior on that cross to die for my sins. I helped to tuck his hands and feet in to go to sleep and suffer. A deathbed is a solemn sight, even more so if it is someone you love and you help cause the death. And that was me. I began to realize. I have more to tell you, Jesus said. His eyes were misty. The seven sayings from the cross were a little Bible in miniature. These sayings were addressed to the friends and enemies around the cross that day, but they were also addressed to all my followers till the end of time, to the cosmic audience as well in the heavens above and the earth beneath. The first three sayings were dedicated to the needs of others for all time. And then the scripture records, as it happened to me, there was darkness descended for three hours. This was followed by the last four sayings, and I gave the first of which caused the darkness to fade away, and sunshine was ushered in again. My friend Jesus continued, As soon as the blood began to flow, I uttered the first words of my final sermon. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. That was the, I was the final lamb to be sacrificed after all the sacrifices of the children of Israel down through the ages of time, which pointed to me. Yes, I went to the cross for Pilate, for Caiaphas, for Annas, for Peter, for Mary from Magdala, and all my followers down to the end of time. Forgiveness is the very foundation of my government. And that is the redeemed 
ticket to my kingdom. As you look upon the cross, the power of sin is broken. The very height of my agony, forgiveness, was on my mind. Paul has it right when he records, there is now no condemnation, no condemnation for those that believe, Romans 8, 1. The next sermon I said to a thief, you will be with me in my kingdom. Even though I was now hanging there helpless on the cross, the next words were the high point of my earthly journey. I was hanging between heaven and earth. My offer of forgiveness, though it was only for those who accept my invitation, my two helpless friends on each side of me, well, they tell this story. They were both cursing at first as we hung there, the three of us. Then one noticed the sign above my head which said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. It may have been this or it may have been my words, Father, forgive them. I will never forget the look of the thief, my new friend. When a light seemed to dawn in his mind and he said, in answer to his fellow thief on the other side, this man has done nothing, nothing amiss. He used his tongue, the only part of his body he had left to use. And in so doing, he actually reversed the judgment of Pilate, of Annas, of Caiaphas, Herod, the Sanhedrin, and all the mocking people around me that day. He honored me as Lord and Master. He saw in me love incarnate. My heart was melted. He did not ask to be taken down from the cross. He simply was focused on eternity with his newfound Lord. Never in history had a great sinner ever been given more assurance of eternal salvation than this thief. I promised this dying man he would be with me in my kingdom. I longed for the other thief to do the same, but he went out into outer darkness that day and would be lost forever. My next sermon from the cross was best described in John chapter 19. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, and the wife of Cleopas, and Mary, Mary from Magdala. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. The pain of watching my mother watch me in agony was overwhelming to me, Jesus said to me. She had taught me the scriptures at her knee of Proverbs and Psalms and Isaiah and Deuteronomy. She had taught me all the Bible things and all the rest, but she was also a sinner herself. And so I needed to die for her as well. The fourth sermon from the cross was awesome and mysterious. Matthew writes about it best in Matthew 27. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, I cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David predicted these words. Can you believe that? He predicted these words many years before. 
in Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? On the cross, my Father was allowing me to be punished for the sins of every person born from Adam and Eve to the end of time. So forever after, when one of my followers was discouraged, they are to remember my words. I took care of it at Calvary. If you do not accept my offer, you will die at the second resurrection before the great white throne. If you accept my offer, you will live with me for eternity. For you see, the great battle with the forces of evil will come to an end. I died at Calvary, but I won the victory over Satan and his host of evil. He will be destroyed forever, and sin will never arise again. Jesus continues, During that three hours of darkness, I suffered severe blood loss, pain beyond description, and asphyxiation. Even though I was human and divine, my most agony was that I thought my father had forsaken me during that awful darkness. I literally died the second death spoken of in Scripture during that time, but I kept saying to myself, I am doing this for my people. I'm doing this for my people. For Mary Magdalene, for Peter, for my new friend the thief, for all others who will call upon my name to be saved until the end of time. Then suddenly broke through out of the darkness, for I knew that my Father had accepted my sacrifice for the sins of the world. My true humanity is manifested in my next saying from the cross, I thirst. Oh, I thirst. It was beyond description. My mouth was parched. I could not help it. My humanity came forth and I cried out, I thirst. Can you believe that David predicted this in Psalms 69? For my thirst they gave me vinegar to to drink. It was so amazing. I had offered living water to so many people, such as the woman at the well and so many others. And then I hung on the cross and I was thirsty beyond description. My sixth sermon from the cross was simple and it was this, it is finished. This was profound because from a human standpoint it appeared I had wasted my life for nothing. I looked pathetic, I wasted looked just like a criminal, but it was the greatest victory in the cosmic universe. I had fulfilled everything my Father's law demanded of sinners. By atoning, my atoning work was done. Everything the ceremonial law demanded had now been accomplished. The millions of sacrificial goats and lambs over the centuries pointed to this very moment when I hung on the cross and died. This is why my followers should ever remember the truth that no human work of theirs can ever add to what I did on the cross. Through my inspiration to him, Paul said it so well, for my grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. My final sermon was the words recorded in Luke twenty-three forty-six. 
Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. On one hand, I died at the hands of evil men and the religious men of that day. Acts 2.21 In another sense, it was the Father who sent me, as recorded in Isaiah 53.10. And yet, in the final sense, no one took my life. I laid it down myself. For the ones I loved, even unto death. John 10.17 and 18 In dying, I was in control of everything. Events came to pass just as foretold centuries before in Scripture. Jesus continued, That is not the whole story. However, I was put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, my father called me and and awoke me, and I knew that he accepted my sacrifice and my death. You know, it was so wonderful the first meeting of my fledgling church happened right after I arose. There were only two people in attendance, myself and Mary from Magdala. She was the first to greet me. She had fought and fought and fought the battle against evil. And finally she had won. In my strength, she won. She is safe for eternity. Throughout eternity, I will never forget when her tears fell on my feet and she anointed me with perfume just hours before I went to the cross. Even then, I could see prophetically down the quarters of time in the future. I could see the millions who would accept my invitation. Under inspiration, I had John write it so beautifully in Revelation 7-9. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man can number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongues, and stood before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. If you're ever discouraged, never forget those words. My struggle with the powers of darkness is so real, you need to know it is life and death for everyone. Keep your eyes fixed on me and remember to look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I must leave now. I have others to visit to tell my story to. Oh, thank you, Lord, for stopping and coming in to talk with me. Yes, I will be there to join you with the redeemed of all the ages. I would not miss it for anything this world has to offer. Jesus became serious. His face showed emotion. There was a tear falling down his cheek. Always remember, Satan, my arch enemy, bought you in the Garden of Eden, but I bought you back at Calvary. My disciple, my boy John, wrote in Revelation that before I come back, this earth will be flooded with my gospel message and invitation to be saved. Listen to what he said. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having a great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Revelation 18.1 I must tell you, with all the force that I can, this is happening right now. 
The latter rain is falling now. Looking into my eyes, he said, this is happening now. Never forget it. Which means I am coming to take you home soon with me. I am preparing a home and a banquet that first evening in heaven. And I have a chair there with every redeemed one's name on it. I need to know, will your chair be empty? He got up to leave. I could not help it. I fell at his feet. I said, O Lord, I will be there. By your grace, I will be there. I will see you soon in your kingdom. So let's sing a closing song. O brother, be faithful. Can I have a Number 602, O brother, be faithful. Ever 
Eternal Father, we're just so thankful that you came to this earth and died for us on the cross. What if you had never come? We would never have a chance of going home with you for eternity. Lord, help us to keep in mind that we're here for a reason and a purpose as we walk this earth's pathway. Every day, we need to share the good news with our friends and whoever we come across. Bless us to this end. May each one of us meet in your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.